Good day. G apostrophe day, I think, is my favourite greeting, as all good Australians greet one another with. My name is Daniel Gardner, and you have tuned in once again to another instalment of Which Car Weekly, your look back on all things automotive from the week and a review of everything that we didn't quite find time or have the resources to cover at all of our wonderful publications at Bauer Media. I am joined, as is tradition, in the studio with one of our great minds each week. It's lovely to have associate editor Scott Newman, who, for today's purposes, because I missed out on the opportunity last week, it was National Women's Day last week, um, I was intending on renaming you uh, Scott Newperson. Um, oh, so can we do that today? Sure. Great. Excellent. Uh, and to his immediate right, we are, of course, joined by uh, a returning Cameron Kirby, Wheels Magazine journalist, extraordinaire and our resident motorsport enthusiast and absolute authority. That is me. Rock and roll. Lovely to have you back, sir. Uh, it is amazing to be back. Long time listener. First time caller. So much to talk about. Uh, we only have 30 minutes to talk about it. And so let's bloody well get on with it. On today's Crack show, on. hot cars in uniform. The Formula One season is poised for action. BMW makes assault on the mid-sized performance sedan title. And we raid a classic car fire sale. Sounds exciting. That sounds it like an to, Andy it, thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> anything involving cars and fire, you can guarantee Andy's had something to do with it, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but before we get into all that, let's just start off with some current news. Uh, just today, now, over, okay, the, the, the relevance of this subject, and the reason I want to talk about it, is because the, um, the aftermath of the end of Australian vehicle manufacturing uh, will go on for many, many years. One of the spin-off and the little sort of splinter effects that no one really saw coming uh, is that our police cars will have to come from somewhere. Um, of course, it used to be the the venerable Holden and Ford factories. Of yes. course, they and don't Toyota. exist. Yes. So we're having to slowly, progressively replace it. Not that they're replaceable, of course. Uh, but just today, we had announcements that there are two more candidates in the running. Mm-hmm. One is uh, Honda Civic Type R, and the other is the Volkswagen Passat. Shotgun the Type R. What an yeah. odd couple. Yeah. Well, it is an odd couple, and it's not a really fair couple because one is uh, a bit of a publicity stunt, and the other one is actually a legitimate, hard-working vehicle. Which do you think is which? New South Wales police using police cars as publicity stunts? No way! Who ever heard of such a thing? With their McLarens and their Porsches and their Civics and their WRXs and all sorts of things. HSVs. Yeah. Yes, well, okay, so you got it in one. Uh, The New South Wales police are using a single Honda Civic Type R um, and this is as part of their iWatch program, uh, which is basically a community sort of awareness uh, publicity stunt, effectively. It is a, a fully functioning police car. It's been stickered up and it's got the lights and everything you need to, to go after mm-hmm. bad guys. The truth is the majority of its life will be spent posing around, looking cool. Scaring small children. Parked yeah, up. Yeah, basically. With its styling. I, I like to think that in doing this, they are just creating a new generation of young criminals. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, look, I, the thing I like about this is that it is the first time I've seen a genuinely good application for its absolute hideous looks. You know, the job of a police car, when mm. marked, is supposed to be conspicuous. And you can't get a much more conspicuous car than the frankly fuggly Honda Civic Type R. That's true. It's unfair. Okay, good. Weigh in on this. I wanted someone to contradict me on this. Please go ahead, Camshaft. <laughs> it looks like it's ripped straight from a Japanese comic book, and I love that. That's so, true. And that's exactly what someone who is buying a Civic Type R probably wants. <laughs> and the police force clearly want as well. Yeah, they just want to look like they're fighting crime in the year 2022. 
Yeah, yeah. In Tokyo. So, okay, so we can come to something. I like how you made that reference as like a really futuristic reference. Yeah. Even it's like, <laughs> it's like two years away. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like Blade Runner is set next I think next I have year. a party scheduled for 2022. <laughs> oh, do you? Your social calendar is a lot more packed than mine. No, it's the only party I've got in the next 10 years. So. Oh, Rough. we can talk after the show. Oh, yeah, so here we go. So it's yet another it's yet another publicity stunt. Um, it, it goes hand in hand with uh, Australia is certainly not alone in this, uh, and nor is New South Wales Police. Um, how often do you see the uh, 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 oh, Carabinieri? Ah, yes. Uh, they will, the Italian police will always wheel out a Lamborghini. Uh, and the coolest one of all time when the Ford, uh, sorry, the British police had that Ford RS200 as was, a publicity oh, car. Did. Mega cool. And they, uh, I think they staged that thing with the RS200 pulling over Sierra, pulling over a Sierra Cosworth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what is the coolest cop car of all time? Is that can you beat an RS two hundred? Oh, Lago in Dubai is that's up there. Oh, that's true. Good. They have yeah, yeah. They have they've got all the, sorts of weird. They have some mega Aston one seven seven. Yep. Bugatti Veyron. And is that a publicity stunt, or is do they actually need cars that fast to catch crims in Dubai because everyone drives? Ridiculous I think it's more they've got to spend the money on something. Until the oil dries up. That's right. And then we back down to. But on a more serious note, the reason. They're, they're looking so hard and police forces are trying all these new things is because the uh, Aussie performance cars filled the void very, very well. They had mm. enough space for criminals. They could be turned into divvy, divvy vans or yep. whatever and they had enough performance to perform highway patrol duties and they also had a good enough relationship with the factories that they could put the upgraded electrical systems and various bits and pieces, you know. The good thing is to get a... Uh, a cop pack sort of executive because mm. it will have like a limited slip diff in it, upgraded suspension, maybe even a V8 if you're lucky, um, but look like a standard car, which is pretty cool. So that's why they have to hunt around for this new vehicle that can fulfill all these um, varied requirements. Yes, yeah. and it actually is a really difficult thing to find, isn't mm. it? Yeah, I was doing some, some digging on this a little while ago unrelated to this. Um, talking to Vic Pole and their 530D higher patrol cars. They've got the BMWs. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, "What's? I haven't seen one. They're meant to be around for the last six months. Haven't seen one. So I was asking, they're all on the road between yeah. Melbourne and Adelaide. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out the Victoria Police Higher Patrol just do not want to give up their VF Commodores. Oh, Apparently, sad? they've they've asked oh. some of them to to transfer to the BMWs, and they've gone. Can we? Can we not? Can we hang on to the Commodore for a little bit longer? So in 20 years' time, you're going to see these very ropey VFs. <laughs> <laughs> We've got rust holes in them and broken windows. Be a bargain at auction afterwards. Um, the, I, did, I, also did, I spoke to Kia about this last week, actually. Um, they're rolling out a few more stingers. Um, there's going to be 120 in Victoria now. There's 50 in WA. There's eight in Northern Territory. That's a cool cop car. Uh, yeah, but I mean... As an example of the difficulties in satisfying their criteria, for Vic Police, um, sorry, I said 120 in Vic, I mean 120 in Queensland. Victoria Police looked at it, but initially said no to the Stinger because they carry more gear around them on their externally. Do you mean... Police, yeah, the police yes. carry more gear around, like their guns and their oh, batons. Oh, all right. I thought you meant like just you know they haven't been working out so much lately, <laughs> carrying a bit of maybe, extra baggage. Maybe that as well. Well, that would tasers. be a problem because the problem was ingress and egress to the front seat. Oh. It was a bit too um, tricky for them. So you might think, oh, a cop car, like how hard can it be? But there are all these little criteria yeah. that they need to satisfy. And you know, if they've been 
hitting the donuts a little bit too hard. Oh, such a cliche, Mm. Daniel. I know. I am. I am. My entire life is a cliche. Um, (laughs) Speaking of uh, excellent cars that would be brilliant as police uh, patrol cars. Yes. The Mustang was looked at, wasn't it? It that was. was. That was in the re- but it didn't make it. It got shot down pretty badly. Yeah, <laughs> I know, and this is not a great ad for Automatic transmission. Lots uh, of things. In three yeah. minutes it overheated, apparently, during, yeah. a, during a pursuit simulation. Yeah. Whoops. Whereas the new one would probably overheat in about one minute. <laughs> With all its ten gears. And yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's, it is a really rigorous testing procedure they put these cars yeah, through, and they, yeah, have to, they have to come out with flying colours, really. I've got to say... Being a highway patrol officer would be awesome because you can only you can only be a highway patrol officer if you have attained the highest level of police driver training, which would be a lot of fun. Oh, wow! Um, but then, see that I don't know. That seems like a bit of a caged animal to me because you've got all this potential, this ability to drive really, really well, hmm. and then you just kind of like you got you've got to appear to be very responsible. Yeah, but who's going to pull it. you over? Well, that's a fair point. But the public is always watching, and you know, yeah, true. you know, the old dash cams these days. Oh, look, imaginary right. speed up! <laughs> Can you imagine Scott Newperson as a police officer? It would be, oh, I think that person was making a mild infringement. Right, that's it. I'm disengaging right. all traction control, and I'm going to pursue them utterly sideways. Police budgets would, would explode from spare tires. What's that? I hear that there's a, uh, a miscreant in Bendigo. I must get their stat. <laughs> Wonderful. Scott, have you ever, ever start serving the people? I, I'm here for the people. And and that leads me on to a great pun. Civic. It's the, it's the civic, civic duty. Civic duty. Ah! No. A wonderful <laughs> moment to move on. Thank you for tolerating <laughs> that one. <laughs> and if you have switched off, I quite understand. A little bit later, we'll be talking about the Gosford Cloud... Cl- I'm going to what were we again. talking about, Dan? Yeah, no, well, we're going to try and talk about the Gosford Classic Car Museum. Easy to say, second time round, um, which sadly has closed, but with some, in some way, you know, silver lining effects. Uh, we'll, we'll be chatting about that a little bit later. But before that, we would like to have a quick uh, Formula One season preview, courtesy a la Cameron Kirbyshire. Um, who is our resident motorsport expert. Take it away, Cap. Oh, I love talking about motorsport. Thank I you, know, Daniel. I know, this is why I'm timing it. Uh, <laughs> before we go too far, we did get some very sad news uh, just uh, on Thursday morning. Unfortunately, Charlie Whiting has died, who is the race director for Formula One, which is going to put a bit of a black cloud over the opening round of the 2019 championship. Yeah, it's so sudden. I mean, I saw a, yeah. a photo of him boarding his plane um, you know, a couple of days ago to come out to Australia as he has for the past X men, you know, 25 years or something. And he wow. died of a uh, pulmonary embolism just overnight. He's only 66. Very, very sad. Very well-respected member of the F1 community. Very, very sad news. And no doubt the uh, the entire this week's event will be overshadowed by that. Um, Formula One being the organisation that is, I'm sure they'll honour him and his contribution to the sport uh, very well and not let it be forgotten for a moment during the weekend. Um, Cam, are there any actually realistic problems that this causes that will have to be, you know, I can just imagine people scrambling around behind the scenes right now. It's going to be chaos at Formula One at the moment, obviously. You know, your natural thought would be, well, surely the deputy race director will step up into the main chair, but their role is quite different. So you will, if they did that, you need a replacement for him. There is a lot of things that are set up around him his responsibilities were so massive that it's going to be quite difficult to replace him at well, there's such no one to hit notice. the start button yeah exactly and if you want someone to arrive from Europe they got to get on a plane yesterday like right. <laughs> so right so it basically has to be someone in the country so what you're saying Cameron is that you're available and your hands up <laughs> yeah if they, if they need me they should have my number <laughs> because honestly everyone should but on to 
I don't know, Cam. I think there's a few people that spring to mind immediately who definitely should not have your number. (laughs) (laughs) All racing car drivers. (laughs) Uh, But on to better and brighter things, because the racing starts for Formula One this weekend. It's very exciting. Uh, And it's going to be a classic battle, I think. I think the interesting thing from this weekend is no matter who wins, it is an interesting storyline. If Mercedes wins... They've come out swinging. If Ferrari wins, maybe this is a great you know, chance for them to return serve. If Red Bull wins, oh my God, the Honda didn't blow up. <laughs> if Ricardo wins, hell yes, Aussie victory. Great. It is fantastic. But, Wouldn't uh, bet on that one. No. no <laughs> Stranger things have happened though. You know, Weber came fifth in a Minardi, so. On debut. Yeah. That was, yeah. Anyway, I'll get my note on it talking about that. <laughs> There are, some, there are some small changes we need to be aware of for 2019. There are new look front and rear wings. They're meant to improve the racing, allow them to follow closer and pass easier. They're not probably going to do that because the regulations were rushed through really rapidly oh. and Albert Park is terrible for passing. Mm-hmm. So expect zero passes for the lead during the race, unfortunately. Uh, and we now give out a... F- Point for the fastest lap in Formula One. Do you like this, Cam? Do you like it? Do you approve of this? I am not one to disparage trying new things. The problem is, I think Formula One is so complicated at the moment. It's just another barrier for a new person to understand trying to get into the sport. And for a sport that is desperately trying to bring new fans in, why are we overcomplicating something that is very simple? Okay, we can test this if you like, because the room is currently occupied by two motorsport experts. And one complete numpty. <laughs> so if you'd like to run any kind of questions past me about how an absolute novice and potent- but potential new fan of Formula One mm. is regarding the sport at the moment, far away. Okay, well, what do you think of, as a, as a motorsport sort of, an F1 outsider, does the concept of an extra point, so you get 25 points for a win, and, you know, slightly less as you... F- go down the grid into the top 10, does the concept of an extra point for the person who sets the fastest lap of the race make sense to you? I thought that's the whole idea of racing. People who are fast get more points. So it's a good thing? Isn't that what they do already? Well, well yes, but, <laughs> but so no. Just, it just kind of sounds like what they should be doing already, and if they don't, then that sounds like there's been a massive flaw in the sport <laughs> it's, it's for a long that, time. Yeah. So if you go fast, we'll give you some points, but if you go really fast, we'll give you some extra points, and then if you go faster, first of all, we'll give you an extra one yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's made complicated by the fact that if you have the fastest lap, you don't finish in the top 10, you get no points. That doesn't make any sense. So the exactly. car that comes 20th, so it comes last, if you come last but yeah. set the fastest lap of the race, you'll get the same amount of points as the car that comes 10th. Right, yeah. 11. It just sounds like it's becoming increasingly complicated. Can you see how hard I am concentrating to try and get my head around that rule? And even even we just had a disagreement on... No, because you get, you get one point for coming 10th. Look, if you two can't agree on this... But you don't get a point if you get the fastest lap outside the top 10. Oh, don't you? No. Oh, so it's only... You only get a, <laughs> I thought if it was any car. No, if you, only for those inside the top 10 eligible oh, for the point. Well, that's actually quite good because it it'll stop the last 10 cars all pitting with one lap to go. And going on a glory run for the top. But they should do that, because that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, okay. Anyway. Clearly some work is still needed on this, <laughs> we, on this we, concept. We digress. <laughs> exactly, and that, it really illustrates the point I was trying to make, which is, you know, in, unless you, you guys are, really yeah. do know an awful lot about the sport, and you really have sat down and tried to take it all in, it's not an easy thing to grasp. Well, it is funny. I watched, I used to be a diehard F1 fan. I watched every single race between, like, 2003 and... Halfway to 2017, and now I've just simply lost interest in Formula One because it has disappeared up its own ass. Mm-hmm. The problems with the sport are so evident 
And so the, the path to fixing them is so evident that there's just no one who's prepared to put their hand up. And because there's so much self-interest, there's too much money in it, too much vested interest that, um, you know, it's just a big mess. And it's just as a fan, I look at it and go, look, sort your shit out. Yeah. Really. Well, if I may weigh pardon in the, with my, my second and final novice uh, remark on Formula One, is it, I, I, what you just said makes rings entirely true to me. Mm. It seems like it is just a massively elitist sport yep. mm-hmm. that has far too much money in it. Yep. It appears to have sort of far too much bargaining power. Um, the TV coverage seems sort of skewed. Uh, okay, here, what is... This is actually a question I wanted to ask you, Cam. Who's on the biggest paycheck for this year? Yeah, so prepare to weep with sadness at yeah. how much money these blokes are paid. So Lewis Hamilton, five-time champion, best person on the grid, arguably. 73.9 Australian million dollars... A year. Right. Crazy, isn't so, it? So, that, that moment of silence then was not edited in for effect. No. That was Shock three silence. people who have no tr- trouble talking constantly, absolutely awestruck and silenced yes. for a moment. And to put in perspective how much money that is, so second most well-paid person on the grid, Sebastian Vettel, $56 million. He's almost $20 million less a year. How is ever is he going to pay the bills? <laughs> Come on, mere, guy trying to make ends meet. But, on a mere fifty-six million dollars a year. But then, but then, like to really, he's got kids to feed. <laughs> to really, like, there's so much inequity uh, in the grid. So the lowest-paid driver is a rookie, uh, Albin, who gets two hundred and forty thousand dollars a year. So Lewis Hamilton gets paid three hundred and seven times more <laughs> than a bloke who is almost on a quarter of a million dollars. I'm so pleased you did the maths on that because that is just a wonderful <laughs> one final wonderful one final point on F1 because I know you want to move on, Dan. The biggest problem for F1 for me is they let the competitors make the rules. Because, yeah, yeah, Because so like, right. Mercedes is really successful and Ferrari is really successful, therefore they get a big say in the rules. Like Roger Federer doesn't get to decide how big his racket is mm. or how big the opponents. Yeah. Um, court is just because he's been really successful they need to pull their heads out make a set of rules if you don't like Red Bull came out today and said oh if we don't like the rules we're leaving in 2021 good go yeah exactly these are the rules if you don't want to play Go and do something else with your money. Yeah, plenty of people in the sport still, and and there's plenty more that can't access the sport at the moment that would probably bring a far more level playing field. That's right. Rant over. Like I said earlier, I'm available. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, um, gentlemen, it's about this point in the show that I'd like to remind everyone that we do have a television show called Witch Car. It's kind of you know. Kind of a big deal. Kind of of Channel 10, Sunday afternoons. The only announcement I have to make this week is it's not on this week because of exactly what we were just talking about, Formula One. Mm. We have been upstaged by the biggest motorsport event of the year, calendar. Um, But we will be back the following week, uh, as we will. Um, We're up to episode 10. That gives us a a week to organise a Lewis Hamilton-style retainer. Exactly. That's it. Um, A little bit later in the show, I will hopefully have time to talk about the BMW 3 Series, which has just launched this week in Australia. Seventh generation, very exciting car and a significant car for BMW. But before that, we have the tricky matter of silver lining a cloud. Hmm. Um, Hmm. A few months back, uh, there was the announcement that the Gosford Classic Car Museum in Australia was to close... Uh, and in doing so, it was selling off its entire collection of notable and classic cars and motorbikes. So we thought a great idea would be go online, uh, the Lloyd's auction site, 
and have a look at what they're flogging. Yeah, because it's all no reserve. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. It's an online auction with no reserve. Some so proper bargains. You can't because none of the bids are currently at $1, but theoretically you could drive away in a car for $1. You could. Yes. Um, but people have started bidding already. They have. Uh, the competition is expected to be fairly stiff. Mm. <laughs> <Mate>. <laughs> I love being able to Moving on, moving okay, on. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so, gentlemen, let's go around the room this very small room, which is getting increasingly stuffy, <laughs> uh, and talk about perhaps some notable mentions, and we will conclude with you are only allowed to pick one car that if money was no object and the bidding went your way, you could drive away in. Okay. Camshaft. Notable uh, mention from the Lloyd's auction. Well, currently, the uh, the, the price going is $7,300. A bargain. For no- a 1983 fire truck from America. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Sub 10 grand for a proper American red fire truck. Ladder, hose, everything. That's, That's amazing. Great. Functioning, so you can actually like spray stuff. I, I believe so. I believe you could you'd hook it up oh, if you've got the right... Great. You'd fill it full of champagne, wouldn't you, Dave? Or something fun. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like, I'd just turn it into a foam cannon... Or, I don't know, make it the world's best slip and slide with it. Yes. Yep. <gasps> Amazing. That's awesome. Are there rules and regulations surrounding whether you can use emergency vehicles on the road if you're not actually Who an cares? emergency service? Very- yeah, fair point. <laughs> I've got my lights on. Get out of my bloody yeah. way. Unfortunately, very serious regulations. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, what did you spot? Oh, it was hard. Um... Well, speaking of bargains, there's a uh, ooh, like a Fiat 650, one of those teeny tiny little Italian cars for currently at two thousand nine hundred dollars, which is for very that. That tempting. Is... It's very much in our budget. Well, that's that's effectively kind of you know the the Cinquecento after the actual Cinquecento. Yeah, yeah, it's a very cool little thing. But for me, I was tempted by a Humvee in full U.S. military. I thought someone regalia. Um, that would be very yeehaw. I love a Pagoda SL. They're just such a beautiful car. What's that going for? Uh, oh, too much. Yeah. <laughs> it'll go for a lot like they're worth drug money now they're yeah like, they totally yeah. are yeah so um, Aston Martin Lagonda who doesn't love a Lagonda rare um, as well yeah very rare and then you'd spend the rest of your life and all your money keeping it running no yep. matter how much you had yep no question TVR Cabrera which is um, similar but a very cool car hang on how did you just how did you pronounce oh, that I said Cabrera but I'm not a British oh okay Actually, I thought no because normally I'm wrong on might be Cerbera I think it, I thought it was Sarah. I, thought it was Sarah. I just thought, yeah, it probably for a second, Sarah. I, I thought you picked up on a different TVR I hadn't seen. I thought no, no, okay, <laughs> right, good. There's one, okay. TVR Cerbera, which is very cool, very rare in Australia. The but... vehicle that Jeremy Clarkson famously said I very nearly didn't ever use full throttle in because it was well, so frightening. Under- yeah, I can understand. Yeah, I can understand why. Um, and that's uh, then I've got my pick at the end, which I'll leave because I want to hear about your okay. Mm. Well, my notable uh, standout vehicles were the. Um, Okay, so uh, for a very reasonable price, you could be the owner of a land speed car. Um, oh. Not any land speed car. I think to this day it's still the fastest Australian vehicle. True. Um, Aussie Invader 3 is going up for sale. Um, it's powered by a Mirage fighter jet engine, uh, <laughs> and it will do 0 to 1,000 kilometres an hour in 16 seconds. But what sort of warranty does it come with? None. <laughs> What's its fixed price servicing plan? Uh, no one knows how to say it. It's a Roscoe McGlashan coming to your house and just yelling at you. <laughs> just yelling at me. Why are you ruining my jet engine? It's, it's pretty safe to say that even if you had the money and the capital and the resources and the patience to go and run this car again, you probably shouldn't. It's, so just, what, it's here's ornamental. A, here's a question. What car would you rather um, commute in? The fire truck or the land speed record car? <laughs> 
most absurd, uh, absurd <laughs> question. I'm going for the land speed record car. Yeah. Just because I spoke to Roscoe McGlashan about that car, and he said it makes the horizon bend. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. But you're unlikely to be able to do that on Punt Road at 8.30 in the morning <laughs> when nothing's moving. Well, you blow um, everyone else away. The other car that stood out for me was, this is so good, Lot 540, a 1988 um, Offsit Club 11R that is currently going for $1,020. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> it's called an Offsit, uh, I can't even say it, Offsit Club 11R. I'm, okay, you have to paint me a picture. It's yeah. a Romanian car. Okay, it's wonderful. You've got it. If, if you're anywhere near a computer, as hopefully you are because you download the podcast, Google, this how you spell it, O-L-T-C-I-T, Club 11R. It's the, no arguments please, the ugliest car <laughs> in the universe. Wow. And But the funniest thing is, is it's a Romanian built absolute shit. <laughs> no other way around it. I'm a bit dusty on my Romanian 20, car. 27,000 kilometers. This is what made me laugh so much, right? Bear in mind, this is a brown 1.2 litre flat four powered shit box. <laughs> One of the most desirable cars to leave the production line in Romania. <laughs> That's actually what they said. Truth in advertising. What, what were the others like? <laughs> yeah, one of. A mule? <laughs> okay, okay. So those are the notable standards. We have to cut now to the actual picks. Please, Cam, what's it to be? I'm dreadfully predictable. It is going to be an Aston Martin DBRS9. Yes, the white thing. Yes, it's a white oh. race car. 5.9 litre V12, naturally aspirated. One of 26 built. Only has 245 kilometres on the clock, which is nothing for a race car. It is built to GT1 specifications. It's loud. It's angry. And I'm going to spend $121,000 to get one. Excellent. That is a great choice. I actually know the uh, man who bought that car into the country. It came in as a pair of twins, and he owns the other one. So if you want it, if you do end up going through with the purchase cam, I can put you in touch with the man who can tell you how to fix it. Can you also give him my number? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. I think that's called pulling rank, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, then. What did you go for? Uh, Me, I also went quite racy, which is probably not a huge surprise. I looked and said, which car... Um, can I, oh, see what I did there? Which car can I go most <laughs> sideways in? And I looked at the uh, 2002, I think it was, a Porsche 911 GT2. Oh, oh racking choice. Yes. What's that going for right now? I didn't even look because I, like, I can't afford it anyway. But well, um, it was a later yourself. car. I think it's a later car with the carbon wing, updated wheels. I think it was called the Club Sport or something, um, which probably means it has the uprated engine as well. Very sexy car. Very cool. The last of the Widowmakers. Excellent choice. Unless it's in your hands and then it would just be a tamed beast. No, then it would be upside down and on fire in a field somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> stuff. I was going to say I went for the 1999 Diablo SV, uh, lot 735, because, you know, what's not to like about a Lamborghini Diablo in yellow, and one of the last ones, Amazing. Um, for $162,000, which at the moment is a bargain, but it will definitely go for more than that. But I didn't go for that because I went for lot 470, a 1995 BMW 318iS. <laughs> Why did I go for <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. Can you tell the ladies and gentlemen how much this thing is currently got a bid for? So, $21,000. It's done, tw- it's done 1,200 kilometres. And the thing that I always think when I'm driving along in my BMW 318iS, which I, I still own, is I wonder what it was like when it was brand new. I never drove one of those. So here's my chance. It was a, it was a casino prize. Someone won it oh. and then just and then just never drove it. And it just got shelved somewhere. Sold by Doncaster BMW. And yeah, with 1,200 kilometres on it, it's not done a single thing. I, I would actually finally realise my dream of knowing what my car was like when it was new. What a dream. Such an earnest pick. Speaking of 3 Series. Speaking of 3 Series, I was very lucky enough to be on earlier this week uh, the 
what is it? G20. It sounds like some kind of global summit, but it's not. I think it is, yeah. It's the code for the new BMW 3 Series, seventh generation. Uh, it launches this week in Australia with two models, the three third, sorry, two variants, the 330i and the 320d. And it's a significant car for BMW because it was the one that basically uh, sparked the whole luxury, high-performance, mid-sized sedan revolution. Absolutely. So mm. BMW it, say they're going back to basics with this car, back to the ultimate driving machine. Yeah. Have they done it? It's also significant. I've got a little bit more of a build into this. Okay. So thanks Sorry. for totally destroying my flow, Scott. Um, I, my first car, no, sorry, lie, second car was a BMW 3 Series. Oh. And you currently own one. And I currently own one. And in between those, I've had three others. And in my household, household, using that term quite so flexibly, but you know what I mean, I still have three BMW 3 Series. That is there you go. a lot. So, it's well, between say, you and your fair partner? Yes. Yes. Okay, hers are the cool ones. Yeah. Mine's the crap one that's covered <laughs> in dust. Hers are actually worth something. <laughs> um, so, it's fair to say that I quite like the 3 Series. But not only that, I like to consider myself some kind of authority. Oh, okay. I've also turned a few spanners on 3 Series in my yes. time. Yeah. So I have a real vested interest in this car, and I love it, and I really didn't want to be disappointed. And the other thing that's playing here is the Mercedes C-Class sedan, which is its direct rival, is doing incredibly well. Tell us what it's like! Okay. <laughs> um, in short, it's absolutely sensational. Really? It, it really is. A, it's a return to form. It really oh. is great. Yeah. And, and I, th- I, was, I came out of the launch thinking, maybe it's just my lo- rose-tinted glasses. Maybe it is a little bit of, you know, I try and be impartial as a journalist and maybe there is a little bit. But no, I've spoken to colleagues who've also driven overseas and they say, this really is getting back to what BMW does well. It is a wonderfully supple chassis. The, the absence of roll through corners is spectacular. I drove the 330i, which is a two-litre turbocharged four-cylinder. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, it's got everything you need. Yep. We, we've just had confirmation that there's going to be a 340 coming, which will be the turbocharged six-cylinder. Um, the big news there is it will be the first four-wheel drive version to come to Australia, four-wheel drive three series. That thing will be a rocket. <laughs> it will. But I, honestly, my pick at the moment is the 330i. It's an absolutely sensational bit of kit. And, and honestly, here's my review. My conclusion is I'd have it over a C-Class. Oh, well, there you go. That's... And I didn't say that about the last one. So. No, the the F the F thirty sorry war had its had its issues. And they worked on it very hard on it. So, gentlemen, it's come to that time again. It comes around so oh, really? quickly. I know, I'm, but it's but look. I'm congratulation, sad. congratulation. Episode ten of Which Car Weekly, um, still going strong. We will be back next week. If you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, whichcar.com.au. All our social media pages are there. Let us know your hot stories, the news that we're not covering. Thank you very much to Scott Newperson and Cameron Kirby. In the meantime, my name has been Daniel Gardner, and we will see you all again next week on Which Car Weekly. Bye. <laughs>